This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. Hey, and welcome to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast where we celebrate our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. My name is Kevin Garcia, and uh, yeah, welcome to another episode. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with me. I'm glad that uh, you exist. Um, wow, it's been uh, a crazy couple weeks for me. Um, moving my boyfriend uh, from Birmingham to Atlanta which has been dope, but uh, a lot has been going on. Work stuff, um, looking into different seminaries, traveling. I was in Seattle last week officiating a wedding for my friends Nikki and Kelsey, which was so dope. So uh, to the happy couple, if you're listening, um, congratulations. And I'm super honored to be a part of that. Uh, so today, um, I'm just kind of doing like a, a little solo podcast I uh, don't have any guests on today, but I am going to be talking about some stuff that is kind of near and dear to my heart, a little bit about my story, but I'll get to that. I'll get into that in just a second. Um, a couple of date things coming up. If you didn't catch it on the last podcast, the GCN Youth Retreat was postponed until April. The dates on that are still tentative, so I'll post on that when I finally get one. At the end of the month of October, October 26th, 27th, and 28th in Chicago, I'm going to be at the Reformation Project National Conference. There are some amazing speakers lined up already, so I really think you should be getting your tickets for that, getting your Airbnb, hotel, whatever you prefer, and getting out there. It's going to be super exciting. Um, I know for me... The Reformation Project has always been a bright spot in my year because it's the time of year when I get to come together with a community that I love and the community that I do the most work with um, and really get to see what God is doing. And I always learn something new, even though some of the material is a little bit of a repeat, like how to talk about the Bible and LGBT inclusion. It's always uh, a new and deeper understanding of the same material, which is Kind of just the nature of God, isn't it? It's like, there's always more. And that's what I love about the Reformation Project. So whether you are fresh out of the closet, you are an activist, you are somebody who's a, trying to be a straight ally, or someone who's looking to explore the conversation more, go to reformationproject.org Chicago and get signed up, get registered, and I'll see you in Chicago. One other announcement, next week on the blog, I've got my uh, second version of my ebook coming out, kind of an updated and expanded edition of So Are You a Practicing Homosexual and Other Things I Wish You'd Stop Saying. Um, I'm really excited. It's been uh, probably over two years since I released another sort of ebook, like a collection of essays, my favorite blogs and things like that. So uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that. And I think that's everything. So um, yeah, let's jump into kind of what we're talking about today. One thing that people always are a little bit surprised at is um, kind of the timeline of my story. They kind of think that some some people think because I am as active as I am and I do as much as I do that I must to, that I must be out of the closet for a long time. But the truth is 
I am only two years out of the closet. Um, that's as of September 9th, so this past, like, Saturday, I think. Yeah, it's been two years since I've come out of the closet, and it's felt like I've lived a lifetime. So, as I was thinking about that, and thinking about how, like, mo- like monumental that is for me, I-, I started writing down my thoughts, and so today I wanted to kind of share this essay with you that I wrote about being out of the closet for two years, and my own personal reflections on everything. I remember the moment that I hit publish. I said, it's it's done. I closed my laptop and I turned to my roommate who was also sleeping on a mattress flat on the floor in the same room because we were both pretty much destitute at the time because neither one of us had a job or much money. I thought it was going to be the beginning of the greatest chapter of my life. And I was right. It was truly the most eventful, most impactful, most transforming season of my life, but it was also the hardest and the longest, and that was something I I did not count on. I think what I expected was to just be out and gay, and by being true to myself, I'd finally be able to step into the fullness of who I was created to be. Like I was kind of on some sort of rocket ship, about to blast off into the queer universe, and all of my stars would just magically line up. I'd find a job that would make me happy. I'd find a partner who would love me endlessly and make me feel so special. I'd, I'd have a uh, space at my church. They'd have room for me and I could continue the ministry I felt I was called to while still contributing to my community. That was, you know, the dream. Everybody's dream, I'm sure. Because the first 24 years of my life were so cumbersome and weighed down with this kind of self-obsession with a part of me that I couldn't fix. My sexuality. My attraction towards men was occupying my mind pretty much from sunup to sundown. And I would police my behaviors. I would make sure that I wasn't wearing something that was too gay. But with hipster fashion, which, let's be honest, it's been appropriated from queer women anyways, I was kind of in a nice little middle road. Um, And also being from a charismatic, Pentecostal-ish Christian circle, my feelings sometimes were allowed Um, For the most part, I could be expressive. I was able to cry. Um, The theology and the practices in those circles, which oddly enough employed some of Brene Brown's ideas from Daring Greatly, along with a really good book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, led me to start asking some tough questions about myself, about who I really was and who God was asking me to be. There was a practice we had in, uh, in the missionary circles called listening prayer, which in hindsight, drew on ideas of mindfulness, centering prayer, and some Pentecostal ideas of the manifest gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as I dove headfirst into these ideas and practices, the conclusion I came to was that God actually wasn't mad at me, that God was actually pleased with how I was created to be. And that included the part of me that I hated, a part of me that honestly, when I was being very honest, felt so natural something that blossomed from within me that was dying to reach out for the sun, but I continuously just cut it down. And the more I cut it down, the feelings came back more intense, begging just to be recognized, just to taste the free air, to feel the warmth of the sun, to stretch their petals and leaves out, just to exist. And I was told my entire life that I gave in, if I, if I gave in to sin, that I'd be consumed by it. If I gave in to my feelings, I'd be overtaken by them, that I'd be given over to the devil and a bunch of other horrible imagery that ended with my body eternally burning in, you know, a lake of fire. No big deal. 
But what I found as I explored these questions was so much different. The summer before I published that blog, um, telling the world that I was gay, I had to come out to myself. I had to say the words out loud. I'm gay. And I think that's okay. Those two words, I'm gay, dancing on my tongue felt like medicine for my whole body. It was like every fiber of my physical form was aching to hear these words, these vibrations resonate throughout my being, to be affirmed with truth. It was like Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's like this truth was sitting inside me all along. This truth that was sitting right below the surface. The truth that was kind of screaming at the top of its lungs, but I just continually ignored it. That was the feeling I had. That feeling was, was freedom. Freedom feels like your mind being able to just idle for once. Before I was occupied with whether or not people would see through the very thin veil that I held up to protect me from really seeing them or them seeing me. After coming out, I was worried about like normal stuff or what I considered normal stuff. Like if I would have time to go to the grocery store, should I go work out or not? What am I going to watch on Netflix? Freedom for me felt like my body becoming lighter. Like thousands of pounds of mental armor that I kept on to guard myself from myself was shed. I never used to engage in any sort of physical affection with men because I didn't want to even taste what platonic intimacy could be like. I never let a single man get close to me because I, I didn't want to risk falling in love with him. Or, or experience their kindness. And I didn't want to possibly experience their love in return for me. Because they could not love me like I wanted them to or needed them to. And I'm a physical touch person. You can just ask anybody. I love hugs. I love, I love uh, hands. I love good Christian kisses, if you know what I'm talking about. I love seeing my best guy friends now. And I, I love hugging them for longer than is comfortable for them. Because for 24 years of my life, I never let myself touch or be touched by another man whether it was platonic or romantic freedom for me felt like my spirit finally being able to mingle with the divine no doctrines or theology to try to explain it or quantify it no barriers saying that i can't or i shouldn't no shame no laying myself before the cross every week, weeping and asking to be forgiven for something that didn't need to be forgiven. We're asking God to change a part of me that was intended to be there. It was for like for the first time the words, it is for freedom that we are set free. It finally made sense to me. Now mind you, being free doesn't mean it's easy. I think it's actually quite easy to be comfortable in shackles when shackles are all you have known. And that goes for everybody, not just queer folks. There comes a point in our spiritual development where we finally see the truth, which, like I said before, is kind of just staring us in the face the whole time. Uh, but we have to kind of have an event happen to us, it's almost like a road to Damascus moment where we're shaken, where we encounter the real Jesus. And then we have to have someone pray for us and have the scales fall off our eyes, that kind of momentous event. But the thing is, like when you see, when you really see, you can never unsee. When you finally know, you can never unknow. When you finally experience, you can never unexperience. When you say yes to God, 
there isn't anything that's going to let you go back. As much as you want to, as much as you remember when it was easier just to be ignorant, you can never go back to who you were. When I came out, I sincerely thought that things would get easier. And some things did, but many things didn't. Like my anger, for example. I finally leaned into it. I finally stared into the darkness of my own soul, the part of me that I hate to admit still exists. The part of me that I wish I could tamp down. I got so angry at the church, like the big C church, for what it had handed me and put me through. The bad theology that took nearly took my life, uh, that, that kept me from living for, for so long. I got mad at everyone who wasn't going to affirm my life and who I was made to be. I got mad at people who looked at my life and refused to see the good that God was doing in it. I hated pastors who would say, I love you, but I hated my friends from my former life who had been my closest community and for so long. But now they couldn't go with me. They couldn't go further into God's mystery. They couldn't go further into the questions I was having. There was no compromise in my spirit. There was, it was all or nothing at all. My, my battle cry was like, give me liberty or give me death. I was not about to back down or get any less than the full inheritance I was due as a child of God. So it was like in that season, I wrote a lot of really strongly worded blogs and pissed off a lot of people. I, ser I severed a lot of relationships and cussed out a few folks and I picked fights online and trolled the fuck out of a lot of uneducated folks. My anger was real. Still is real. But I'm, and I'm not mad at myself for it, but at the end of it all, after the fire burned hot and fast, I was kind of left with ashes. I was still standing in the same spot that I claimed in my freedom, and I hadn't healed from anything. I hadn't moved forward. I still had these bleeding wounds. And there was only one thing that could move me forward, and it was the big F word. Forgiveness. I heard a podcast from Rob Bell one time that uh, where he kind of came up with this concept that you can't really be mad at institutions or systems, but instead we're really just mad at individuals or groups of people. You know, we're mad and we're hurt by churches or bosses or parents, but you're not, you can't be mad at like a concept. And if we want to move through to more spiritual wholeness, to life abundant, we have to work through forgiveness with those who have wounded us. And to a degree, like, I don't fully embrace that idea completely, but I feel like there is, like, a whisper of truth in there. That sometimes it's not, like, the big C church that we're mad at. It's not the system that we're mad at. We're mad at the people who are a part of those systems who hurt us. Because I can still see the faces of pastors and leaders who let me down and betrayed me. I can hear the exact words that they said to me still it's painful it's so painful and slowly I learned what it is to hold the anger that fuels me that gets me going that pushes me forward while releasing the anger that only drags me down the anger that turns me into the teen that's still angry about having to police my speech and my mannerisms the young adult who forced himself into relationships with women despite knowing I'd probably break their hearts the child who wanted the girl toy instead of the boy toy. Two years. I've been out of the closet for two years, but it feels like I've lived a lifetime 
in these two rotations around the sun. And in many ways, it feels like I, I was like reborn. The first year was spent in so much upheaval and strife. And the second feels like I'm kind of getting used to what freedom is and how, and honestly, how to be responsible with the freedom that I've been given. And I'm obviously still learning what that looks like. And I probably will always be trying to figure that out. But I will say there's a few things that I've started doing um, and a few things that I've stopped doing. Uh, I started seeing a therapist this past year. I have not been going regularly, and I'm actually looking for a new one right now. One that probably specializes in gender and sexuality and trauma, things like that. But I, I started seeing a therapist this past year, and it was, it's been really good for me. Um, not as sad. Um, but I can see myself and how I really need to get back into it as soon as possible. Um, I started seeing a guy this past year. Five months um, already. And he has taught me more about what it is to be honest with myself and what it's like to not run away from the pain we feel just because it's easier and what it is to not run away uh, just because we're feeling vulnerable. It's been really, really special. It's been amazing. And I am learning how to love in a healthy way. Like, (laughs) that's crazy. Um, I started exercising this year. Again, not regularly, but I'm getting back in there this week. And I really feel good when I actually do it. The time goes really, really slow in there. And that's kind of what I hate about it. I kind of wish it could just, like, it would go as quickly as, um, you know, driving to work or enjoying a podcast. And maybe I should lean into the slowness of that time. Because my I know my 30s are coming up and my metabolism is going to slow down. I'm also trying to drink less and eat more green shit. So... That's something I'm going to start doing. Uh, I started going to church regularly again, and church still pisses me off, but I feel like it's like the thing to do if I want to change the world in the way that I think that I'm supposed to. And I also started a house church with some of my friends, even though people told me that I can't or I shouldn't, and it's imperfect, and it's beautiful, and it's ours, because there's always bread and wine, there's always prayer, there's always laughter. And I think that's, I think it's something that Jesus would be proud of. Uh, I started to forgive people and that's annoying. Um, but I will say it's easier than simply talking about how mad I am all the time. Although again, I sometimes like latch onto it because it's fun to be pissed off sometimes. But, um, I started painting my nails this year because it makes me feel good about myself. And I dyed my hair purple because it makes, it kind of like matches what I feel like on the inside. And I've given myself over to the truth that I am somewhat gender fluid. Um, I, I'm still cool with he, him pronouns. Um, and I'm actually really fine with all the pronouns. Um, and I don't know what this is going to look like in the future, but that's something me and my therapist are going to dive into. Uh, I've stopped wasting my energy on internet trolls, or at least tried to for the most part. Every now and again, I get sucked into it, but for the most part, I have kind of just got into a habit of blocking or ignoring because self-care is real. I've tried to stop being the next somebody and really tried hard to be the first me. I think it's really easy to look at different bloggers and writers, podcasters, YouTubers, and think that there's a right or a wrong way to do this whole advocacy thing or this content creation thing, but there really isn't. And when we think there's a good way to be a creative or we think that we should just work 
and that our art should just fund our lives. It's just, it's, it's, it's a bunch of, it's bullshit. I'm constantly reminding myself that I am, in fact, quite young, and that I am, in fact, uh, on my way, and I am actually doing really good. And that there are people that I look up to have been doing this way longer than I have. I've been in this for two years. Just two years. And I've already done more in two years than, honestly, a lot of people that I look at around me. And that's not to brag. That's just making an observation and kind of giving myself a high five for once. Because I usually give myself a hard time thinking that most of the things I produce are shitty when they're really not. So I need to... Something I need to start doing is actually, you know having some grace for myself. What a concept that would be. I have stopped asking permission to do the things that I want to do. This kind of goes along with the last point. Like the blog was step one, then this podcast and then YouTube. I mean, I felt like I've wanted to do these things and then I just did it. The end. It doesn't have to be perfect to be genuine or to make an impact. It does not have to be amazing. And it does not have to be like the thing that attracts the most people. No one even has to look at it. If you want to make something or do something, just fucking do it. The thing is, like, I'm going to reach who I'm going to reach, and that's awesome. And you're going to reach who you're going to reach, and that's awesome. On top of that, I had this realization with my friend Matthias recently that I'm probably never going to reach the lover of, of, like, influencer that, like, I fantasize about because, like, the market, the people that I reach and talk to is, like, a really niche market. I mean, queer Christians, like, y'all, we are the minority within the minority. So I guess, like, I should stop acting like I'm going to be the superstar level of YouTuber or blogger. And, you know, just be okay with the influence that I'm having. Because, like, again, I'm doing pretty all right. Um, I've stopped wondering when I'm going to have it all together. Because having it all together, in my mind, looks a certain way. Um... But it probably will never look how I want it to look. So I've just kind of like let that ship sail a little bit. I've stopped wondering, oh, like when I'm when am I going to have three months of income saved up? When am I going to have health insurance again? Like, I don't know. I'm just going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep doing I'm going to keep working hard. And eventually, hopefully, things will line up. I've started practicing gratitude. And let me tell you, it is a practice. And don't you ever think it's not. It's choosing to be grateful. Choosing despite the shit that's going down and the shit that's happening to you and happening around you. Despite injustice, but despite having a job that helps you pay the bills, but that's about it. Despite your family not loving you the way you need them to. Despite your church not being the church. I have found that practicing gratitude yields joy in the face of strife. I used to subscribe to this whole, like, oh, I just got to choose joy um, stuff. And it, like, it was super ineffective because if when life really got hard, like, it was hard to choose joy. And I'm not always happy and I'm struggling with depression. But, like, practicing gratitude, it, it makes it easier. Like, because I can choose in spite of all of the crap in spite of the depression, in spite of all the things, I can still say thank you to God for like the next breath. I can still say thank you for the relationships I have in my life. I can still say thank you for the fact that I have not missed one bill payment since I lost my job with that nonprofit a year ago. I can't believe it's already been a year. 
but gratitude, it really does help. So there's that. I started meditating. Um, it's kind of like mindfulness meditation and centering prayer, and it's been really dope because it's in these moments of meditation, of communing with God in the quiet of my soul that I can finally connect with the creative spirit and I just let it flow and I can do the things that I actually care about. I've also stopped doing everything all the time. There is a temptation in me to just keep going all the time, especially with creative work. Uh, I've noticed, like, it's okay to just do the podcast every other week instead of every week. It's okay if I don't blog regularly. It's okay if I recycle some old blogs and just put them up. It's okay to take breaks from creating YouTube videos. You know, like, it's okay to just do what I can do in the time that I have. Yeah. I've also stopped over... I'm, 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 I've stopped oversharing, or at least I've tried to stop oversharing. Because I've learned that I want to keep some things private in my life. That some parts of my growth need to be between me and my community, and sometimes just between me and God. Like my relationship with my boyfriend. Aside from what I put on Instagram, I don't share a lot about us because it's like the one thing that I have for myself. It's this thing, this beautiful thing that I want to protect. I've seen what happens when a relationship on the internet is super public. Too many people get under the chuppah, if you ask me. And that's that's something I just I just don't want. I don't want us to become a commodity or an idea in somebody else's mind. And not not just my relationship, but other things too. Like I don't cuss everybody out on the internet just because I'm angry, which is a lot of the time. I keep some of my angry thoughts to myself. And I keep I write blogs all the time that I never publish. Which isn't great for content creation, but uh, happy doesn't... And I also know that happy doesn't always sell because who who wants to read something that's happy? The world is already so pissed off and they love feeding on that. But I want my impact to be joyful. And uh, I feel like there's a really good proverb from Beyonce. It says, if we're going to heal, let it be glorious. So me... Stopping my oversharing and keeping some things private. That's part of my glorious healing. Uh, I stopped caring as much about what people say about my grammar because I realized that I'm much, uh, I'm a much better speaker than I am a writer. And I just don't care about it. So period, the end. Sorry, everyone out there. I just don't care um, that you, I know my grammar sucks. I've accepted this about myself. And it's, it's not like I don't know the difference between there, there, and there. It's just that I type so fast. So, um, you can get over it. <laughs> um, I started listening and watching and connecting with more POC creatives. Honestly, their stuff is so much better than the majority of the shit out there. And it's, uh, it's more thoughtful. It's more cool. It's innovative and it's enjoyable. And we do not need more videos of people guessing what's in their mouth. And we don't need more white gay boys talking about white gay boy sh- stuff. It's like listening to POC voices, especially on YouTube, especially on podcasts. It's done wonders for my creative work, and I'm thankful that the internet exists for us to find them. So go follow more POC creatives, please. That's If I were to give you any advice, uh, that'd be it. I've stopped accepting wannabe allyship. Like the kind that's cool with gay folks, but kind of denies that black lives matter. Like, I don't have time for that. I've stopped hanging out with those people that think that way because I don't have time to educate every 
white cishet folk about this stuff. I mean, that's why I create the podcast and the blog and the YouTubes, because I want to educate folks in mass. But these one-on-one conversations are so exhausting, so I don't do it anymore. I've started confessing when I fuck up, and I've started asking advice from people wiser than me, especially women, especially people of color, uh, because uh, I know that I don't know a lot still, because I am, again, just two years out of the closet. It's very interesting, isn't it? But there is the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I've done in the past two years since coming out, I've started to love my life. All of it. I love the hard stuff because it reminds me of what the lighter stuff feels like. I love my full range of emotions, even the parts that I wish I didn't feel all the time because I used to feel nothing at all. I love my body, even when it's not the shape that I wish it was. Because it's mine. And it works pretty well for the most part, even though I don't treat it as well as I could. I love being in a healthy romantic relationship with someone who gets me, even when I'm scared because he gets me so well. And when I act like a total child, and even when he's at his worst, there's and there's nothing I can do but let his moods just run a course, I love it because it's fun. And it holds up a mirror to my own imperfections and makes me address all the dark things about me. I love being queer. I love being queer so much because this path, it's equipped me with like this emotional intelligence and wisdom that's beyond my years. I love being queer because of the circles of people I find myself in. Amazing people that I get to connect with. Like last weekend when I officiated the wedding of two queer ladies that I met through Twitter. And then I got to connect with all of their amazing friends. I love having dinner parties and regular parties and holidays with my chosen family. I love going to dance clubs. I love sitting outside with fires and glasses of whiskey and funny stories. I love being able to express myself in my loud, effeminate voice without having to worry if anybody sees me. Honestly, if I could be more queer, I think that I would. I'm two years out of the closet, and it has been the most wonderful, most devastating, most transformative, most joyful, most exciting, most normal two years of my life. I finally feel like myself, and I cannot wait to find out more about who I am. I mean, if two years, if two years of telling the truth can do this, what's it going to be like in 20 years? I remember a year before I came out, I actually tried to kill myself. I was aching to die because it was just too much. And now I am desperate to live. I am so desperate to explore because for 24 years of my life, I was unable to explore the depths of who I was or the heights of who God is. I love to tell the story of what God has done for me and how God has preserved my life to bring me to to that moment where I could taste the freedom I knew was always possible, to bring me to this moment where I could sit in a cafe and write out these words about what I'm learning 
and how I'm growing and how I'm changing and then sit in a room and record this podcast for you and hope that no matter where you are or what you're going through or how you're feeling, that you would know that God loves you and that your life has a purpose and that there is an impact you have on the world around you. And I know that's true because it's true for me. I'm doing it. And you can too. And I'm not alone. And neither are you. I've been out for just two years. And I've had so many people who have helped me, encouraged me, pushed me, admonished me, called me out and called me up. And you, the person listening to this, you are one of those people who have been with me on this crazy ass journey. And I could not be more thankful. So, bless you, dear one. Yeah. I'm not crying, you're crying. And this was just the first two years out of the closet, so I am so stoked for what's next. And I'm scared shitless, but I am so ready. I love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate every single person who comes on and listens and shares the podcast. And I would love for you to share this and subscribe in iTunes and on YouTube and on the blog. And if you wouldn't mind going over to iTunes and leaving a quick rating, that would be dope. Um, Just a little five stars and saying, hey, this podcast is really, really dope and thoughtful and wonderful and tells good stories. Um, Yeah, that would be really, really cool. Um, I'd also love if, if you are someone who uh, thinks that work like this is important, of creating podcasts and blogs and YouTube videos about intersections of uh, sexuality and Christian faith. If you think this is important, you should uh, support this work on Patreon. Patreon is a really amazing and easy way for people like you to support the creatives in your life. Whether you're supporting at $1, $5, $10 a month, that really helps fund the work and helps... Uh, helps me spend less time in the restaurant uh, because, like, that's where I work. I work in a restaurant to pay my bills. Um, But with your help, I can spend less time in the restaurant and more time creating stuff like this. So go to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia and find out more about how you can become a patron through Patreon today. You can connect with me on all the social media through thekevingarcia.com. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and I'd love to be your friend and tweet with you and talk with you and all that good stuff. Um, I think that's everything. Um, be on the lookout for a revamped store on my website because I'm revamping the store and my t-shirt line because I've been really neglecting that. Um, and I love you. I really do. I'll talk to you soon, friend. Goodbye.